How far do you think this team's going to make it in March and potentially April? To be honest, man, I think they can go all the way. Hey, guys, it's Terrence Nan. You're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. Go Dose. Hey, what's up? This is Peter Ward, a.k.a. E-Dub in the house. You know, we're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. Go live, go Nose. Hi, this is Charlie Ward, and you're listening to Hear the Spear. Go Nose. This is Terrell Buckley. You're listening to Hear the Spear, presented by No Game Day. No bloody. But perhaps better known as the greatest corner to ever step on a football field, Deion Primetime Sanders. Great Deion Sanders, my brother. What's going on, man? I, I could wake up to that greedy every day, man. That was awesome. Hello, Nose fans. This is former Seminole Derek Brooks, and you're listening to Hear the Spear, presented to you by No Game Day. James Wilder, Jr. What's going on, James? Thanks for having me on. SSOD, Florida State or Die, and go Nose. William Barnon Floyd. Gentlemen, what's up? What's happening, guys? This is Logan from Here the Fear, presented to you by Noel Game Day. We're here, here Tuesday evening. We have a special guest joining us later in the show. Bill Kofer, former Noel, now with the G League is joining the show to talk about his time at Florida State, how he's doing now. Also, he's going to talk about the current team uh, and where he thinks they can go. Very interesting interview. Make sure you guys stay tuned to that. We're also going to get you ready for National Signing Day, preview that a little bit. We're going to recap the Super Bowl, uh, and then also Florida State's new quarterback commit, along with other things. And then we are going to jump into some basketball at the end and go through our regular Spirit trivia and fun facts segment. As always, you can listen to this podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play. And like I keep on saying, and I've said in the last podcast, I'm going to read out a five-star review. This one is going to be from Steven Jacobson. He says, rated us five stars. He said, this podcast is great because it talks about all FSU sports and goes in depth with every single one and keeps you up to date about FSU. Um, And then we got another five-star review here. Uh, Red Silva 2 says, this is great to hear on my way to work or just out and just driving around and needing something to listen to. Uh, So thank you, Red Silva and Steven Jacobson. Like I said, leave a five-star review, uh, and you might have a chance for us to read it out to you guys. But, uh, yeah, that's going to do it. What's going on, Dustin, our lead editor and writer, and Austin Vizi, our basketball guru? What's going on? I brought as many brain cells as you tonight, apparently. Zero. <laughs> just stumbling over words yeah i am well you know what the, he said if you natty ice with limes that is true i am natty ice then um if anybody knows me i do drink natties but natty ice is really only in, but i put lime juice with it and it tastes really good yeah can't wait till we talk to phil cover you're probably gonna ruin that no keep, drink, keep drinking <laughs> no not having i'll just have water but I am killing my brain cells. I think they're already killed. Yeah. yeah. They did. You know what? Let's go and read a review. We, we were just before recording this. We read a review <laughs> one of our listeners. And they left a five-star rating. Uh, but we might as well go ahead and read it since we're talking about brain cells. This is from M1E and then a lot of numbers. says, I listen to these podcasts religiously. As soon as they come out, I live for them. That's what I dream about at night and the first thing I do when I wake up. 
Highly recommend for anyone with no brain cells. <laughs> <laughs> Gets me every time, dude. It was even better the first time because I didn't expect the ending. I thought it was a great comment, and then, yeah, the ending. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm still in tears, and Logan read it out for the first time like 10 minutes ago. Yeah, that, that was brutal. That was brutal. So, yeah, that's we've been laughing. And that's directed towards you two and Mississippi Boy, because I wasn't on the podcast at that point. Okay. I don't think I'm just you're saying. any. I'm just saying. <laughs> Let's jump into a little bit of football stuff before heading into the Phil Kofer interview. Super Bowl. Kansas City Chiefs are world champions. I did not pick them. I picked the 49ers. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, the savior of us all, wins. The best, better than Michael Jordan, uh, <laughs> any football player I've ever seen. Patrick Mahomes wins his Super Bowl. Uh, yep. who, who picked the Chiefs? Didn't you pick the Chiefs? Yep. I, I told you guys that the Chiefs would win by double digits. And uh, look at that. Now, I didn't. I certainly didn't expect it in the fashion that it ended up being in with uh, Kansas City down 2010 and then blanking San Francisco 21 nothing in the fourth quarter to pull out the Super Bowl. But... I'd say I pretty much nailed it. Yeah, I should have known better than a Chelsea offensive coordinator that blew the Super Bowl against the Patriots. But, um, <laughs> you know, you live and you learn. I won't make the same mistake three times. Um, yep. Shout out Kansas City and shout out the two former roles that are now Super Bowl champions. Derek Nottie and Cam Irving are Super Bowl champs. Nottie actually had a, quite a few hurries on. Um, Garoppolo, Jimmy G., uh, but they, I know Naughty had a pretty uh, decent game, and, and it's good to good to see these younger guys. Definitely Naughty, uh, be able to be only just a few years into the NFL and, and grab himself a, a Super Bowl trophy. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you saw Derek Naughty on the field after the game, uh, making a confetti angel. He I guess you would call it. That. Yeah, with with all the confetti ran down the field. Yeah. Which, man, speaking about that confetti, who cleans up that stuff after the game? I mean, what a job those guys do. (laughs) My mom asked the same question while it was happening. She's like, who has to clean that up? I'm like, they just won a Super Bowl. Who cares? The biggest thing about the janitor standing alone in the corner watching that happen and just getting Vietnam flashbacks. (laughs) Oh, my God. Well, if Dustin keeps on not being able to get in access with recruiting and then DMing these kids, and that's going to be his job, clean up confetti on the ground. Jesus, man. What? Eh, better McDonald's. <laughs> Poor Austin. It's okay. It's all right. I hate you guys. I know it. This one's pretty interesting. This came out today, and it's going to start a pretty big conversation, I think, heading into tomorrow on Wednesday. Seminole headlines of Jeff Cameron report that Florida State in 2018 under Willie Taggart did not hold a walkthrough before the game against the Irish uh, when they visited there. Uh, Any thoughts on that, guys? I can't say I'm really surprised, but um, yeah, kind of sucks. He probably should have been fired after that. Yeah, I would just say they they knew what we all knew, that they were definitely going to lose that game, so why even prepare? (laughs) Jeez, man. (laughs) Usually I'm the negative one. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, after getting reading our reviews, it's really just let us loose yeah. now. We should do that more often and then record. Maybe that's all it took was us to read our one star reviews and It wasn't even a one star review though. That's a thing. That was a five star, yeah, that was a five star. Maybe they well, they don't have brain cells, so they meant to do one star. Yeah. But yeah, that one that one's interesting to me. And there's some other things trickling out too. I think we'll hear more on about Willie Taggart and what was going on here in Tallahassee, but uh, that, that that's kind of unreal to think of, you know, not holding even a walkthrough before the game too. There was rumors about that too. Like we're talking the day before, not even a walkthrough the day before. And then the day of not a walkthrough. So what, what that doesn't make any sense to me. Um, I'm yep, surprised I mean, that hasn't broke out earlier, but I think a lot of people are trying to keep their mouth shut. We saw how unprepared this team looked throughout Willie Taggart's tenure, and these little details begin to trickle out now, just paint a, a wider picture of how the program was so dysfunctional on, <clears throat> under his tenure. Yeah, all over the place, all over the place. And I, I, like I said, I think – more people are going to speak out about some things that were not going so straight under him. Um, we're already learning some, and I, I, I just don't understand sometimes. I, I don't understand. And that, it, it's more embarrassing on, on, on the university for the, the hire at this point because if, we, if you're not preparing for a huge matchup against Notre Dame up there, you're not running through your walkthroughs at all, even the day before and, and the day of, it just doesn't make any sense to me. It really doesn't. I'm just kind of lost for words, but it is what it is. On to some better news, though. Uh, Florida State receives a commitment from a 2021 quarterback, Luke Altmeyer from Mississippi. Uh, Luke is six foot two, 190 pounds. He's a pro style quarterback. He's from Starkville. A uh, little bit of st- stats here. Altmeyer completed 60 or 67.1% of his passes for 3,093 yards. He had a total of 37 touchdowns and five interceptions during just his junior season. So obviously Mike Norvell likes to go after some pretty strong passers. Um, he chose the Seminoles over LSU, Mississippi, Auburn, Ole Miss, or Mississippi State, Ole Miss, um, Oregon and, and a few others, but big, big commit here for FSU. Yeah, this is huge for Florida state. Altmeyer was in Tallahassee for junior day on January 25th and had a really great meeting with the staff, Mike Norvell, Kenny Dillingham. And uh, yeah, I think, I think he saw the quarterbacks coming through this weekend. Sawyer Robinson, uh, another 2021 guy in particular, and knew that he needed to pull the trigger soon to guarantee his spot in Florida State's 2021 class uh, as the quarterback. He's actually a guy out of Starkville where Mississippi State is located. So really big pull for Florida State out of SEC country. And Altmaier will be one of the bell cows of this class. He, he could potentially join linebacker Brandon Jennings, who will commit this Friday. I said we go ahead and jump real quick into a little – uh, preview for National Signing Day. Obviously, it feels like now it's just the baby compared to the early National Signing Day. But still, Florida State uh, is kind of up in the air with a big guy on the wide receiver department. 
and they're also trying to load in a few more guys uh, on the line. Uh, and Florida State is, you know, a lot of people are, you know, maybe worried that this isn't going to be a higher ranked class and all this kind of stuff. That's kind of what you got to get used to. Florida State had to go through it with Willie Taggart, but uh, you roll in Mike Norvell. He goes straight after the depth and what they need to get done immediately with running backs um, and also trying to work on the offensive line grad transfer transfers everything on that side of the department but uh how about you run us through you know what the plan is for tomorrow and, and what fsu fans should look forward to and, and keeping an eye on dustin yeah florida state uh going into national signing day there are five targets remaining on the board um everyone else is either signed or already committed and going to sign tomorrow uh, the five remaining targets Florida State is vying for is four-star wide receiver Malachi Weidman, three-star defensive end TJ Davis, three-star linebacker DJ Lundy, three-star Vanderbilt commit and safety Donovan Kaufman, and three-star defensive back Sidney Williams. Davis, Lundy, and Williams were all on campus in Tallahassee this past weekend. Sounded like things went really good with Davis and Lundy and as of now, we're we're predicting them to end up in <clears throat> Florida State's class. Kaufman, it's it's kind of a toss up between Florida State, Vanderbilt, and Ole Miss. He's going to choose between them on signing day. Right now, we're a little bit split between FSU and Vanderbilt. Then with Sidney Williams, it really comes down to Kaufman. If he comes to Florida State, there's not going to be a spot for Williams in the class. And if he doesn't, FSU might go ahead and offer Williams, who probably would wind up with the Seminoles. He has good relationships with the staff, and it'd be a lot closer to go to Tallahassee than Indiana, which is his best offer as of right now. And then finally, there's the big one, Malachi Weidman. Obviously a longtime Florida State commit, athletic basketball player, um, developing wide receiver who really shined during his senior season. Weidman didn't sign with FSU during the early signing period. He's visited Washington State, Oregon, Tennessee, and Ole Miss since then. And he's got so many relationships at Florida State, but it just seems like he's doing so much not to end up at FSU. And I've I've personally predicted him to wind up at Ole Miss. Some other guys on our staff predict him to wind up at Florida State. So it's another toss-up. We'll have to see on National Signing Day. But regardless, should be a good finish for Mike Norvell's first class at Florida State, and he's already getting a big jump on the 2021 cycle like we talked about. Yeah, what do you think that is going to be the final ranking for FSU in this class? You know, the, right now it's, a, like we said, like you said, a whole flip-up right now for Malachi Weidman and <clears> – <throat> There's all, it feels like FSU always got that one guy that you just don't know who it's going to be. I mean, it makes it fun for tomorrow, but you know, it makes it more fun if he sticks. But what do you think this recruiting class rank is going to be per two four two four seven sports? You know, what do you think? A guess. Doesn't have to be an exact number. You can maybe go like 15, 20, 20, 25. Well, right now the class is currently ranked number 20 in the nation, and I believe that's with the commitment of Malachi Weidman. So with Florida State, let's say they miss out on Weidman and Kaufman, end up landing TJ Davis, Lundy, and Sidney Williams. I think that that keeps FSU right around that 20 range, maybe maybe 19 or so, 18 at the highest, I would say. And then if Weidman sticks and, and you get 
TJ Davis, <clears throat> Lundy, and one of those DBs. I think you're you're creeping up towards 17 or 16, but this isn't a class that's going to break the top 15, and I don't think that's really something to worry about. Norvell, he's he's filled a lot of FSU's needs with the players he's got, and considering the how late he started recruiting for Florida State, you've got to consider what he has done a success. He's now landed three quarterbacks in less than three months, and really Florida State fans should put their eyes towards the 2021 class. He's making traction with some elite recruits uh, across the country, and he's going to land a pretty good one in a couple of days in Brandon Jennings. Already said that, but top top fifty player, legacy recruit, and another guy that will be a bell cow for Tribe Twenty One, along with Altmaier. We'll be holding a full down full recap podcast after National Signing Day later in the weekend. So make sure you guys stay tuned for that. Uh, we're gonna have on quite a bit of our recruiting guys from Noel Game Day come on, and maybe a guest from another outlet too. So stay tuned for that. We'll update you guys on Twitter when that becomes available. I said we go and bring on Phil. How do you guys think? You ready for this one? I'm excited. I'm really stoked. Yeah, it should be a great interview. I mean, just me personally, uh, I've told you guys before, my dad got season tickets in 2013. So Phil coming in, in 2014-15, he was probably one of the the first guys we really got to watch his full career at Florida State. So the five years he, he spent there and the highs, the lows, it was amazing to see with Phil. And I'm sure talking with him is going to be a great experience as well. Yeah, it's always great catching up with guys that I used to work with and seeing how they're doing now because as they're busy with their careers, so, so am I. So getting to, getting to catch up with them is always great. Yeah, like you said, Dustin, I'm interested to see, you know, talk to us how uh, how that buildup was and i also want to get his reaction about what this team has the potential to be and how far he thinks they're going to go so i say we go ahead and bring him on this is phil kofer this might be a sports in the top 10 phil kofer sending it in with authority over the big fella Okay, so I'm excited about this one. We have a great guest with us this evening. We're recording this on Tuesday evening. We've got Phil Kofer, who is currently with the College Park Skyhawks of the NBA G League in College Park, Georgia. And you know him even more better from his time at Florida State under Leonard Hamilton from his days from 2014 to 2019. What's going on, Phil? Good to have you on here this year this evening. I appreciate y'all for having me. Yes, Austin, got to give it to you again, man. You're just hooking us up with great guests every week. <laughs> yeah, it helps being there for two years. Yeah, it does. It does. Uh, but, yeah, tell me tell me a little bit right now what's going on with you, Phil. We know you're in the G League, like I said, with the Skyhawks. But how's that going? Uh, and let the fans know what you're up to also. Yeah, it's been going pretty good, man. I think, uh, you know, for my first year, uh, you know, coming off injury and stuff, it's kind of, you know, this has been my path of, you know, going through the G League route. But I think it's been pretty good. I've been learning a lot of stuff, you know, on and off the court. And, you know, I'm pretty much, you know, locked in to, you know, just kind of bettering my craft and, you know, trying to take, you know, get to the next level. So, How's the season going for you personally um, and all of that? 
I think it's been going pretty good. I think, uh, you know, I've had a lot of ups and downs just from, you know, stuff that I had, you know, my parents, you know, passing and, uh, you know, being injured. Mm-hmm. So it was just pretty much me trying to get back on my feet. But I think I've been doing pretty good. And, you know, I've still been trying to get better each and every day, you know, and the coach has still been working with me. So I think it's been pretty good so far. Yeah, and I know before the season started, you had originally gotten a tryout with the Summer League team, but then you ended up earning a tryout uh, before the season. So how did all that come about? I think it was pretty good, man. I think, uh, you know, with the Summer League, I think uh, I I was hurt, so I was still doing therapy and stuff like that. But I think just, you know, the coaches, you know, still trusting me and, you know, believing in me that I can get better each and every day, you know, work through my, uh, you know, injury and therapy, so. I think the trials in uh, summer camp was pretty cool. I think that was the main thing of me just, you know, learning through all doing the pro sets and stuff like that. So I think it's been pretty good so far. So before coming to Florida State, you originally committed to Tennessee and then flipped after Coach Martin left for Cal. What did you like about Florida State after that whole process started again? I think I think it's pretty much everything, man. I think uh, after, you know, my coach left from Tennessee, uh, he basically just uh, gave me people that I should go check out. And Leonard Hamilton was the first person on his list. So I went to Florida State, and basically as soon as I stepped on campus, I, th- I was talking with Coach Hamilton. It basically just felt like another father to me. And I just kind of went from there, and I got to meet the, you know, guys, uh, the, guy, the guys on the team and stuff. So it was pretty cool just, you know, being there in the atmosphere. It was pretty nice. Was when, whenever you're – here in Leonard Hamilton, and you got to spend time with him behind the scenes. What what kind of man is he? Also, you know, from a coaching wise, and then also just off the court. What is he like? Because we always see him on ESPN and national television with his face. You know, he usually looks pissed off. But what is he like? <laughs> definitely, maybe definitely during your recruitment, come to Florida State, and then also your time at FSU. Yeah, I think this has been pretty good, man. I think Coach Hamilton is one of those guys that he tried to make make you a man first before anything in basketball sick. And I think that's what I pretty much learned at Florida State. And I think he kind of he better he better me as a man as a, uh, you know in a lot of different ways. And that's the type of person Coach Ham is. He always he's not really a strict coach, but he's one of those guys like you just respect him so much you don't want to do nothing wrong on, on you know on his end. So I think he's a great coach, and you, you see he's doing big things now. He came up definitely a long way. And, you know, having different types of players and teams and stuff like that. So I think he's been doing pretty great with the Florida State teams. He's been good, you know, getting and stuff. So, As a true freshman, you had one of the best posters in the country on Duke star Jaleel Okafor. I was personally <laughs> in the stands for that moment and just remember the tuck exploding. Uh, can you talk about that moment a little bit and, and what it felt like to just throw it down on his head? Yeah, I mean, it was great, man. I think just, you know, me coming in, just, you know, being a freshman in, in that type of atmosphere was pretty crazy in itself. So, I mean, <laughs> I didn't really think I was going to dunk it anyway. I thought it was going to be a layup. But, you know, Coach Ham kind of just preaches us to go to the, uh, you know, the rim aggressive. So that's all I was trying to do, basically. You had a very up-and-down career at Florida State. That's no secret. Starting with that poster your freshman year, then having to sit out because the tumor in your ankle, switching your play style to come over stretch four, struggle with it that mm. first season. Then your junior year, you become a star for Florida State, averaging 13 points per game, getting the red shirt, getting another season, and then having recurring foot problems again. How did you yeah. overcome such a roller coaster career? Uh, I think one of the main things is kind of Coach Ham. I think uh, one thing he preached is how you know how you handle adversity, and that's pretty much the thing I just kept in my mind going through Florida State. And I know 
you know, it's a lot of stuff. I've never been hurt before pretty much in my life. Even in high school, I was always a guy that had bounce, and I basically never stretched or anything type thing. So, I mean, just that in itself, I think that's the main thing I learned, just, you know, kind of fighting through adversity. And, I mean, nobody's, nobody thinks it's easy, and it's definitely not easy at all. But I think just me just keeping my mental and just being able to, you know, work hard every day kind of helped me in itself. So. And, yeah, you went through a lot in your career. Um, started off with Florida State, missing the NIT tournament during your freshman year, and ended up with you going to back-to-back Sweet 16s and appearing in Elite Eight, being just four points away from a Final Four. Can you talk about being a part of that rebuild and then the breakthrough at Florida State as your time ended there? Yeah, definitely. I think that's it's, – it's been pretty much one of the best – that was one of the best years I've, I, you know, had at Florida State, just – you know, everybody being locked in, everybody, you know, just getting each other's backs. And that's kind of what took us so far, you know, be able to get to the Elite Eight. And just us coming to practice each and every day, trying to, you know, better ourselves and even better the next guy is what, you know, kind of made us go that far anyway. So I think just that group of guys is always like – I still talk to them to this day, everybody that's on that team. So I think that's probably one of the closest teams I've been on. And it's no disrespect to any other teams, but, you know, everybody was just so locked in to trying to, you know, get 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 so far in the tournament and just you know make make runs and stuff so it was pretty great what are your thoughts phil uh on the staff uh that has been built in tallahassee under leonard hamilton as a whole mm-hmm. i think you know coach ham he gets pretty much great guys even players all the way down to the coaches and just him just being that type of uh you know coach he it kind of he always recruits people that kind of I guess I wouldn't say act like him, but kind of on the same page as him. And, you know, CY, Coach Gates, you know, Stan Jones, all, all the coaches pretty much kind of, you know, better us as a man before basketball. And that kind of helped us on the court. So I think those are the main things. And, you know, Coach Ham is one of those guys that he, he doesn't run people to death. He recruits guys that, you know, are already dogs and, you know, pretty much want to, you know, be able to get in a dog fight, uh, you know, each and every game and, you know, you know, work their butt off and even just, you know, play hard and aggressive each and every game. So I think that's pretty much Coach Ham, and that's just how he is. So just him being himself is kind of recruited guys or, you know, make guys fall onto him being that type of, you know, recruiter for coaches and players and stuff. So I obviously know what Coach CY and Coach Jones and back then Coach Gates were like. Everyone else may not. How would you describe what the staff was like during your time? I think they were great, man. I think uh, with them, they was kind of, because, you know, I had some, you know, injuries and stuff. And they was just, you know, keeping my mental right, just, you know, hitting me up every day or checking up on me. And those are the type of coaches that they are. They're like, you know, family coaches. They're like second like second parents. And just them being there for me at Florida State and being there for the players, I think everybody was so so locked into, uh, you know, what they did for us. And that kind of helped us win because we didn't want to let them down the same way they didn't, they didn't want uh, us to let, you know, them to let us down. So. I think that's pretty much, you know, half and half. And I think everybody was just, you know, together as a family. Florida State is currently 19 and three and ranked number eight in the country. How would you compare this year's team to your lead eight and sweet 16 squads over over your last two seasons at Florida State? I think they're they're pretty great, man. I think everybody's, you know, the same as, you know, putting the uh, other person before themselves. And that's what's pretty much, you know, getting people farther and farther. So I think every that team's, uh, you know, definitely locked in. I think they're going to, you know, go uh, far in the tournament. And I think Coach Hamlin's been doing a great job of, you know, 
no matter how many wins they've been going, I've been here and they're still practicing hard and still, you know, locked in of, you know, trying to get the next game, no matter what, you know, rank the team is, they play next or, you know, vice versa. So I think they're, I think they're a great team, man. And I, I'll probably put them above, uh, you know, our team. That speaking. We for the oh, wow. And speaking, <laughs> speaking about, you know, the, the rebuild and the building and you got to see it all. You know, something that's extremely impressive right now uh, at the Tuck, mm-hmm. Florida State is 60 and three at home since 2016. And, you know, you got to see it kind of start from where, you know, not a lot of the fan base were going to the games in Tallahassee. You know, the, it's, it's a football school effect here. Um, and just talk about how you saw it start from like, not a lot of the fans coming, and now it seems like it's close to a sellout every game uh, in the Tuck, and how much that does for you as a player on the court. Yeah, definitely, man. It's, it's actually been crazy just from all my years I've been there. I think, uh, you know, first starting out, I don't think we, we weren't as good, but we were still, you know, kind of an iffy team trying to, you know, find our way and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, pretty much now you can see how, you know, the game's changing. But when I first came in there, it was just straight postman or – you know, set the screen and roll, but now you can see the game changing of, you know, stretch fours and be able to shoot the three ball. And, you know, we kind of changed the whole game. And I think that's the main thing that kind of helped us out now. And I think the fans and stuff are so locked in, to, you know, being there for us and helping us out. And it kind of just helps us on the court too. Also, it just, man, I feel like uh, not only us being a family, I think the fans are, you know, a part of our family too. So they've been helping us out a lot. You always seem to play your best when the lights are brightest. He had 20-plus against Duke twice, including career-high 28 and Cameron Endure. He had 16 against Michigan in the Elite Eight. You have five years of games to choose from. You can only choose one as your favorite. What are you going with? Uh, <laughs> probably, the, to be honest, probably the one uh, against Xavier that, that year we was in March Madness. Uh, mm-hmm. that, that PJ had was probably one of the craziest games I've ever been in because – you know, we came back came back uh, from being down, and I think we, we were still locked in. And we we got to win this game. We got to win this game. But I don't think uh, everybody else thought we were going to win it. So just, you know, being in that atmosphere and just being able to win that game and come back was crazy to me. Yeah, that was certainly a heck of a moment. Um, we always hear about the family atmosphere and the brotherhood around Florida State basketball. Who are you closest with on the team during your time at FSU? And just how much of a brotherhood is it really around that group? Uh, shoot, pretty much everybody, man. To be honest, with with us, we like we went out to dinner almost every day, or we always had uh, you know, some type of thing going on. We'll go bowling, or you know, just just little stuff like that. And mm-hmm. I think just everybody, we we never had like you know certain cliques and stuff like that, where everybody hang out with mm-hmm. certain people. Everybody hung out with everybody, and I was the main thing that I feel like helped our chemistry and helped us go far too. So that's something, that's something that I've noticed too under Leonard Hamilton. If I ever see mm-hmm. one of you guys, like I saw Vassell on campus uh, last week, but then there was another four guys mm-hmm. with them. It just seems like every kind of, everybody kind of runs in a pack together and mm-hmm. you know, that works well on the, on the court too, because you trust each other and you hold each other accountable. It's like a family vibe and I feel like that's how what Leonard Hamilton preaches and that's how he's probably able to bring in this good enough good talent bringing in Scotty Barnes next year one of the best players uh coming on the court for Florida State it just seems like Leonard Hamilton really does bring that family vibe and he has is another uh, father figure to you guys yeah definitely definitely 
You were just speaking about going out to dinner all the time. What was your favorite place to eat at in Tallahassee? <laughs> Ooh, that's a good question. Uh, <laughs> probably, uh, I kind of would go with BJ's. I knew it was coming. Who's that? Who's the, these are really, this is a really good question here. Who's the funniest or who was the funniest on the team during your time at FSU? I'd say you're talking Probably to Probably Devin Booker. <laughs> He's Booker. <laughs> yeah, probably Devin, Devin Booker. Devin uh, Booker was a guy that I, I wanted to come to practice because just because him, just because I, I feel like he's going to say something funny. Like, every you you will never know each minute. So, I think it's definitely probably him. <laughs> okay. All right, last question. We'll let you get out of here. Just how far, and if you even want to make go as far as make a prediction, how far do you think this team's going to make it in March and potentially April? To be honest, man, I think they can go all the way. And I know everybody, every team probably says that. But I think this Florida State team is one of those teams that, you know, they're so you can tell they locked in each and every game because usually we had, you know, the years I was there, we had, you know, some, uh, some, some times where we weren't locked into the game and we were just, you know, We'll throw some games away that we should have won, but I think this team is definitely, you know, locked in to, you know, trying to get a ring for Coach Ham. So I think it that would that'd be huge. We'd all be going to Atlanta, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, man, we we definitely appreciate you coming on here. And if it gets close to March Madness and, and your schedule is not so hectic, and it'd be great to you know preview a game when it gets into there and we start figuring out which seed they're at and, and where they'll be playing. Uh, and I think it'd be great to have you on. And we appreciate you for spending some time with us later in the night. And uh, maybe we can get you on here later in the season. Yes, sir. I appreciate you all for having me, man. All right. Well, we're back after the Kofer interview. That was great. Uh, thanks again, Austin, for hooking that up for us. And maybe we'll be able to get him on again once March Madness comes around. Yeah, hopefully. He's he's always great to talk to. He's a, he's a great speaker. and. Very vocal guy, but it's always great to have him on. Yeah, moving into basketball, Florida State fell for the for the first time in eleven games during their their road meeting with Virginia last week. Following that, FSU went to Virginia Tech on the road and dominated the Hokies for for most of the game and really showed how elite they can be when they're playing to their potential. And with one day's rest and having to come back to Tallahassee, they they took on a, a, a subpar North Carolina team that, that was missing a starter but also got Cole Anthony back for this matchup. And it was a little tougher than expected. Yeah, going back to the Virginia Tech game first since that was the first of the two games. Um, first off, we got to mention Devin Vassell. I mean, 27 points, 7-7 to from downtown. He couldn't be stopped. He was doing whatever he wanted. Um they also got Patrick Williams back in that game, and he finally he stepped he stepped up in the North Carolina game, showed why he was a five star talent coming out of high school. Um, and then North Carolina game, like you mentioned, super ugly. It, I expected it to be that way, just because one day of rest, both teams are traveling a few states down. They don't get time to recover, rest, do all the usual treatment they usually get between games. Um, I didn't get to watch any of the first half, but the second half, Florida State just Locked up defensively. North Carolina went 11 minutes without scoring a field goal, which is unbelievable. Junkyard defense was alive and well again. Um, Cole Anthony may have had 16 points, but he did it on 22 shots. North Carolina fans were – 
they were not happy with Cole Anthony. <laughs> there, there were some on Twitter and Reddit saying they couldn't wait for him to leave, which blows my mind. Yeah, it was certainly a grind of a first half that I that I get did get to watch. Uh, both teams really struggled to score. Florida State committed a bunch of unforced turnovers. Like, for instance, Trent Forrest was making a simple pass over to MJ Walker, who was at the right side of the, the top of the three-point line, and just passed it behind him right out of bounds. And, uh, yeah, it was just one of those plays that personified that entire first half with less than – with a little under three minutes to go in that first half. Florida State only had 20 points. Knowles were down 28-20 before fighting back with a 9-0 run which culminated with a Patrick Williams three-pointer with about 15 seconds left to take a 29-28 lead into the break. And from there, I thought they came out a little bit sluggish in the second half, but then were able to fight off North Carolina in those 10 minutes to be able to pull out a victory. Yeah, with Devin Vassell going cold for the first time of 2020, Tim Forrest was able to have a great game offensively. Patrick Williams had a great game, arguably his best game as, as a Seminole. Raekwon Gray had some really nice buckets taking people off the dribble. and then, But they really won this game defensively. They were clamping up Cole Anthony. Finished with, I think, 10 blocks, which is crazy considering they don't have a true shot blocker. They out-rebounded North Carolina for the first time since 2012, which I was stunned about. But then, like you said, they were kind of beating themselves and turning it over more than North Carolina did, which I would have expected the opposite there as well because North Carolina is a very loose team with the ball. Um it was great to see them pull out with the win. I'll always take an ugly win, an ugly win over a pretty loss. But um, yeah, over a subpar North Carolina team, I definitely expected a little bit more. Yeah, and just speaking about Patrick Williams a little bit, uh, I don't remember if it was the the first half or early in the second half, but man, at one point he had an insane chase down block. A North Carolina player had a wide open layup. And then I swear, here comes Patrick Williams out of nowhere, swatting it off against the glass to save a basket for Florida State. And that was really a play that you can use an ex- as an example for how they defended all night. Uh, Florida State, they got down in that second half, and then I don't, I don't remember the exact stat, but I'm pretty sure from there they held North Carolina to – one of like their next 15 shooting and use that run to really seal the game. Yeah, no field goals in 11 straight minutes. You're going to win a lot of games when you do that. Um, North Carolina did get seven free throws in that stretch, but that's still not saying a lot over 11 minutes. Um, I swear I tweeted once a game, no easy layups. There are no easy layups <laughs> against this Florida State team. and that, that example right there with Patrick Williams is just another one. There were quite a few in the second half where North Carolina thought they had an easy bucket at the rim and either Raekwon Gray or even Trent Forrest was meeting them at the rim saying, nope, not today. This is Florida State. There's no easy layups. Um, it's something I expect to expect to continue going into the season just because this team doesn't know how to quit. Yeah, North Carolina went just 21 out of 68 from the field, 30.9% from the, from, uh, the field percentage-wise. Went 6 of 19 from downtown. Did go 11 of 17 from the line, but it just wasn't enough against the Florida State defense, which we keep talking about, just locked up in those last couple of minutes. Really showed how how tough they can be when they're they're all in sync and, and just focused in 
like that and, and shows why why Florida State is a top 10 team this year. Yeah, and almost all of North Carolina's free throw lines were Cole Anthony. He had he was three of eight, just three of eight from the stripe. Um, but as a point guard, he only finished with three assists, and that's really that's a really brutal stat as a point guard, missing 17 shots, three turnovers, and only three assists. As a point guard, you're supposed to dish it out, and get your teammates involved. But I think he just had I think he just has that AAU style of play where he just wants to wants to be the hero, wants to score all the time. Can't really do that in college. You gotta you gotta get everybody involved. And I know they had Brandon Robinson out as well, but Christian Keeling played well. Leaky Black played well for UNC. There were guys that were stepping up and making those plays. It just didn't happen to be Cole Anthony. Now stepping into Miami, the next game for Florida State Saturday at noon on the ACC Network. It's going to be an interesting game. Last time we played Miami, it went into overtime. Florida State again looked sluggish throughout the game, and then in the last three minutes plus the five minutes of overtime, they really stepped it up and came in with the four-point win. Chris Likes was a major factor in this game in the last Miami game. He set out the last few games a groin injury. We're not sure if he's going to play against Florida State. Uh, they'll be playing NC State Wednesday night, so we'll see if he plays then. They do have Keith Stone back, so they've got some more depth in their front court. We'll see. This this is Florida State's best chance to get to 20 wins, or the it'll be their fastest to 20 wins if they went and went on Saturday, just 23 games, which is spectacular. Um, I, I like Florida State's chances on Saturday. What do you think, Dustin? Yeah, especially if likes is out, it's I'd call it almost a lock for Florida State. We talked about the environment that Florida State has in that Tucker Center believe Logan brought it up during the Phil Kofer interview, but the Seminoles are 60-3 and three or so in their last 63 games at the Tucker Center, which makes for just an insane home court advantage. And you know this game against Miami is probably going to be – actually, it's already been announced. It's it's completely sold-out game. Um, the atmosphere in Tallahassee on Saturday should be rocking. And, yeah, I don't think it'll be as close as it was in Coral Gables. Uh, you talked about that game a little bit, Austin – where Florida State had to fight back, force overtime, and and then pull it out in a, a very tough game with Likes making some insane shots. And also Vasilovich, if I'm saying his name right, that guy was that guy was pretty nasty the last time these two teams matched up as well. Remember him just knocking down threes. Um it felt like one of those games Florida State was definitely gonna drop and and then like this UNC game, they just turned up on defense and were able to fight back and get a victory. But yeah, we don't know Chris Likes' exact status for this game. Uh, it's something to monitor throughout this week if he does play in Miami's next game. But if he is out, it's it's going to be really tough to see the Hurricanes have much of a chance. Yeah, because Likes had 24 against us last time. Vasilovich had 19. Cameron McGusty, the Oklahoma transfer, had 15. So even if you're losing Likes, you're still losing a ton of production. While they do have the production to maybe step up a little bit, they also haven't beaten anybody in the meantime that says they can step up. Um, their offense is good when they have likes in, but their defense is just so porous, averaging 74 points per game. They're going to lose a lot of teams, and I'm really surprised with it because Jim Laranaga is a good coach. They've got a lot of talent there, but they've been hit by the injury bug again this year, and they've just been their depth has been so severely limited. Um, I think they're only playing seven to eight guys heavy minutes and against Florida State you just can't do that and expect to win uh, very many games um, yeah I agree with you 
if Chris Lex is out, I think it's absolutely a lock. Florida State wins. If he does play, I still think Florida State wins, but it'll be a little bit closer to game. This is a Miami team that's desperate for a signature win to maybe give them tournament chances. They're sitting at 11-10 and 10 right now. Probably 11-11 by the time it's Tallahassee, because I think NC State's the better team. So they need that. They need a good stretch of wins here to prove, hey, maybe we can get to the tournament. They lose on Saturday. They're probably already knocked out of the tournament. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if that's going to help their chances. Uh, Miami, they haven't been playing very well recently since entering conference play. Hurricanes have won just three out of their last ten games, and that includes winning just one out of their last six games dating back to a, a road trip to NC State. And directly after that game was when they played FSU and lost 83-79. Since the Florida State game, Miami has lost at Duke 89-59, which, I mean, you can say it's kind of expected. And then at North Carolina, 94-71, where they played without Chris Likes. I'd say they're probably one of the few ACC teams that haven't went in there and beat the, the Tar Heels in their home arena this season. Um, the Hurricanes responded with a win over Virginia Tech, and then they recently lost at Pitt. Austin, like you noted, they'll play NC State at home before traveling to Tallahassee this weekend. And it's just been it's been a rough stretch for them. And I think it just shows that this year they they don't have the caliber of, of talent to compete in the ACC. And I mean that's not necessarily a bad thing. A, a lot of ACC teams have taken a step back this year. Yeah, and I, I, I've said this multiple times now. I wasn't that high on the ACC this season to begin with, but I didn't expect it to be as bad as it's been, um, especially Miami. Miami and Notre Dame, I was a lot higher than a lot of people because I thought they had the talent. They were just really banged up last year. And then this year, they're still banged up. They're still not playing well. And I, I don't understand it. I really think they're a talented team that if they had someone like Coach Hamilton there, at least middle of the conference, not sitting at, what are they three and yeah three and eight in conference? Three and eight, yeah. That's that's tough, and their three wins are against Clemson, Pitt, and Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech's the best out of that bunch, and that's not saying a lot. Um, maybe they'll bounce back next year. Maybe they'll bounce back in these next few games, but I I don't see it. Um, probably another NIT appearance if they're lucky, and that's that's sad because Miami's a good team. Or they've had some good teams in the past when they had uh, Lonnie Walker, Bruce Brown, uh, mm-hmm. Dewan Hernandez. They've had some great talent there. They just they've lost everybody coming in this year. Um, going into making a prediction, as it really just depends on Chris Lex. If he's not playing, Florida State wins by fifteen to twenty, like eighty to sixty-five kind of score. Um, if he plays, I still think Florida State wins. But it's going to be a little bit closer, somewhere around 80 to 73, 74. All right, not a bad score. I'm going to go ahead and say, regardless of if Chris Likes plays or not, Florida State's winning this game by double digits at home in front of a sold-out crowd, playing a, a mediocre opponent on a pretty good week of rest. Um, this is a game... I think that Florida State would like to put away pretty quickly. They've got a pretty big road trip coming up to Duke on Monday. And I feel like this is the type of game you want to get some of your guys as much rest as possible because you have to think just just like how Florida State played 
last Saturday against Virginia Tech and then came home to play North Carolina on one day's rest and looked a little sluggish. They're probably going to look sluggish going from Tallahassee to Duke on a day's rest, especially in a road game in one of the top environments in college basketball against a, a pretty good Duke team. Yeah, that but, Cameron uh, Indoor game is going to be fun, man. Yeah, um, I didn't make yeah, my Duke's prediction. Duke's also been coming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't make my score prediction. I forgot. But I'm going to go with Florida uh, who State. Who cares? Let's move on. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, look who's back from the dead. <laughs> I'm listening. Go, shut up. I'll go Florida State, 82, Miami, 68. Okay. I don't hate it. Yeah, that Duke game's going to be fun. <laughs> this is going to be a lot of fun. They're going to be coming off just a day of rest as well, coming off the North Carolina game, but we'll get into that a little later in the week. You already get into some questions here that we received from our Twitter followers. Nice. They're playing at UNC. I mean, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Sorry, random fact. <laughs> or random I thought. Really random. Yeah. <laughs> All right. This question comes from at ham underscore season who was is your favorite batman and so i already got roasted by austin earlier i don't really know why but i said i don't really follow superheroes (laughs) and all that kind of stuff as much as i guess austin does so this might be a question better for you who was or is your favorite batman i'm not even a huge movie person but the dark knight's one of my favorite movies ever so I've got I've got to go Christian Bale as my favorite Batman. Dustin, do you care or do you know or do you happen to want to respond to that question? Yeah, I, I think I'd go with one of the most famous Batmans, and that'd be Adam West. I think he really he really started the role of Batman and set a good example for the guys that followed in his footsteps and. Just really appreciate what he did for Batman. One that I would really like to... I would, I'll actually pick one. Uh, I thought Tom Hanks did a great job. Yeah, he was pretty good. Also, uh, Tom Cruise was really great, too. Great action movie star. Yeah, and what That was... Tom Cruise was one of your favorites, Dustin? And him in, with him in it. Yeah, they had to they had to like make him taller with CGI because he's just a short little guy. But hey, it works. Yeah, that was great. And then also Johnny Depp did a great job. Absolutely, one of the <laughs> one of the best. <laughs> Real class act. <laughs> Harrison Ford, Will Smith also ahead of his time. Uh, okay so obviously those actors were never in batman or at least i don't (laughs) think they were i just googled famous men actors so i got the bat in front of men well i was gonna put yeah i just yeah anyway let's move on from that Please. Uh, this next question comes from at Knowles0603. Thank you, Knowles0603, for not a lot of numbers at the end. Appreciate it. 
asks, rough estimate on the size of the 21 class for basketball and the major targets we get an actual shot for? It's a pretty in- decent question here for the two basketball gurus. Yeah, I actually had to do a lot of homework for this one because, as you all well know, I'm not a recruiting guy, yep. especially in football, but even basketball as well. I just wait until they're actually committed to really dive deep into them. As far as the size of the class, it really depends on what happens with the 2020 class and, A, who goes to the NBA draft. I'm fairly certain Devin Vassell is leaving. Patrick Williams is 50-50. But I, think, I still think after next year he'll be gone. So that's two spots right there. You've already got Trenton Dom graduating this year. So you've got four spots open for next year, potentially, three to four, plus the open spot from Nahima Cloud because we – I don't think he's coming back at this point. He was supposed to be back for this semester, and he's still not. So I'm assuming he's just going to move on from Florida State. Hmm. So then next year, next year I think they're still going to look for another grad transfer big to fill the role of Dominic Olenichuk. Um And after that, you still have an open spot somewhere, whether they, tra- whether they go after another grad transfer, another JUCO guy, or find their next step to sell their underrated three-star. They could do that. But Plus, you got to 20- think – oh, sorry. No, you're good. Go ahead. You got to think MJ Walker will be a senior next year. So when he graduates, that'll open another spot for the 2021 class. Yeah. So for next season, you've got Raekwon Evans, MJ Walker. And yeah, just those two will be the seniors plus Nate Jack. If he sticks around, I think his, I think his future is a little cloudy right now just because he hasn't seen any playing time this year, which I know he's not gonna be happy with. Plus, you have Scotty uh, Barnes. Wyatt should be a senior, right? It depends. I think he's going to try and do the Phil Kofer route since he played 11 games his freshman year. He'll technically be a senior, but I think he's going to try and get a redshirt year. Okay. Um, then you've got Scotty, Barn- Scotty Barnes, who I think is a one-and-done prospect. Sarder Calhoun can be, a, I guess, a one-and-done prospect, three-and-done prospect, however you want to classify a JUCO guy. Um, plus a grad transfer that I think they're going to try and go after with the bigs so they could really look and be looking anywhere from just a three-person class anywhere up to a five or six-person class which is a six-person class would be huge that's a very big class in basketball you really only see the dukes and the carolinas bringing in that kind of class as far as major targets they're going after um jonathan kaminga the number one prospect for that year um I know he made their. T- I know Florida State made Kaminga's top ten. I think I don't think he's going to end up with us. Um, Musa Chise, he just visited a couple weeks ago. I think he ends up at Memphis, but I wouldn't be surprised if it comes down to us in Memphis. Uh, he also visited Bryce McGowan's, a four-star prospect out of South Carolina. I really like our chances with him, but I think he's a really raw prospect. He's got the same Devin Vassell mold. I just don't think he's as prepared as Devin Vassell. Um, Kennedy Chandler, that's another guy to watch out for, a five-star point guard out of Atlanta, or sorry, out of Memphis. I think it's another guy that ends up at Memphis. Um, and then Foster, I think that's another guy that, uh, you're gonna have to look out for, Michael Foster, five-star power forward from Phoenix. I know Florida State really wants him, and he's one of those elite scorers. That's a game changer. Um, whether Florida State ends up with any of got any of these guys, who knows? It's two years away. Um, I think they stay in 
I think they're in good standing with a lot of elite prospects, which we haven't been used to with Coach Hamilton. Yeah, and just bouncing off of those five guys, um, four-star shooting guard and top 50 prospect in the 2021 class, Dallin Coleman will be in Tallahassee this weekend for an unofficial visit. Um, I'm actually supposed to talk with him tomorrow sometime, so whenever we get back on here for the next podcast, I can hopefully provide you um, a a pre-visit update and then hopefully get to speak with him again following that trip to Tallahassee to get his thoughts. Yeah, which will be great. We obviously appreciate Dustin doing all these interviews recently. He's trying to keep up with our new recruiting expert, Nate Greer. Um, but yeah, we're trying to get some <laughs> basketball interviews with some of these elite prospects because Florida State's going after some really big fish, some really big fish, and we're not used to seeing that. Y'all ready to get back into some Hear the Spear FSU trivia? We haven't done it in a few episodes. You ready to get back into it? I think, what, Dustin has a 4-2 to two lead, if I'm correct? I think it's 4-1. No, it's 3-2, I believe. No, I'm up 2 now. You're, no, you're up 3-1, and then I won the last one. That we haven't done one in a couple of weeks. All right. I'm fairly <laughs> certain it's 3-2. to two. I'm fairly certain. Wow. If I'm wrong, Heath will let us know. Okay. Yeah, he will. Most likely will. Y'all ready to get into it? Sure. Sure. (laughs) Y'all are way too excited. Let's chill out. Come on. Calm down. Calm down. All right. In 2013, we're going football, back to football here. In 2013, FSU became the highest scoring team in FBS history by scoring how many points? And I'm going to give you three oh, options. God. 720, 727, and 723. So 720, 723, 727. 723. That's where I was going, 23. 723 is correct. Wow. Good job, guys. That's a lot of points. That I is. Just went, I just went with it because... 720 just it just seems too like, seem made round up. of a number and then 727 I don't know this is plain isn't it never mind moving on in 2013 what number what jersey number did center Brian Stork wear you got 52. five seconds. 52 52 is the you correct. said it while he was saying the question I was trying to family feud it and wait till he finished. You didn't know. I didn't know. <laughs> All right. What jersey number did Trey Jackson wear? Oh, God. 63. Trey Jackson was 64. Four, three. Two. Last call. The number is 54. Uh, <laughs> I, I could have told you that one. It's an offensive lineman. In 2014, he was a consensus All-American. Whatever happened to Trey Jackson? Where's he at? He was with the Titans for a couple years and then got cut, I think. I believe he's in the XFL, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, he's with the Tampa Bay Vipers. On to the next one here. What number did Sean Powell wear in 2011? 41. It was a punter. You got five seconds. 47. 
five, four, three. We already got to stop counting down. I know. I was making sure. All right, 45. Both are wrong. Oh, <laughs> no, your numbers whatsoever. You're asking about a punter. On to the next question here. Punters it's a good one. Too. Sorry, Pat McAfee. And you better, y'all better get this one right because I can actually get him on the podcast and he will take care of both of y'all. And in 1999, what number did Corey Simon wear? Oh, God. 50? 51? I've. I've. Fit, the number is 53. Ah, we're so close. Y'all are getting closer and closer and closer. Oh, my God. All the old. All of our listeners that. Our 10% are 10% of old, older fans. Our older fans listening to this, they're laughing at you guys. All right, on to the next question here. This is fun. Sebastian Janikowski, oh. 1998 to 1999. Oh, God. Number? He <laughs> wore Janik- some... 69. <laughs> okay, Dustin's desperate. <laughs> Dustin's desperate. He's giving up. 38? I'll say 44. <laughs> There's the final answers. Just hurry up, please. Is that it? The answer is 38. Yes. Let's go. I knew someone actually, got it right because every time someone actually yeah, gets he, it right, he, just, he takes longer. He's a long pause. <laughs> you sure? Huh? You sure? That's all you need to know. Yeah. I knew it was 38. Yeah, Sebastian Janikowski. He was a so consensus All-American from 1998 <laughs> to 1999. Seasons. Those two seasons. Bummer. Well... Now is it tied here? 3-3? FSU here the Spear Trivia? I believe so. Wow. I think he's going to come back. Imagine if Chubba Purdy came out with a 69 jersey. Wouldn't that be elite? Be pretty good. Okay. (laughs) How long have you been holding on to that one, Dustin? Probably since I tweeted it when when he committed. Wait till I start making jokes with his first name. (laughs) Oh, great. I don't want to. I did not want to know what you could do with his first name. <laughs> a lot. Okay. Let's go to the our fun facts segment to end this podcast. Who wants to start us off? Anybody? You said, you, said you had a good one, so you go ahead. I'm looking for my good one. How? You I spent you... five minutes looking for it. What? Logan. No, I said I was looking. <laughs> I told you I wanted to find a good one, and that's why I was still looking. You didn't find one in that 10 minutes? I, I got one. one. I got one I can use to plug in. Please go. A London study confirmed that every six mobile devices out there have fecal matter on it. It is also suggested that they carry 10 times more bacteria than toilet seats. Gross. Ugh. Wait, say that again? <sighs> you heard it right. A London study confirmed that every six mobile devices out there have fecal matter on it. Oh, okay. Well, at least it's every six. I think they meant to say one of every six. It's also suggested that they carry ten times more bacteria than toilet seats. So don't go licking your phone tonight, Dustin, whenever you're doing something. I don't ever lick my phone. 
Making sure. Uh, me or you, Austin? Um, I'll go ahead and go. Walmart has a lower acceptance rate than Harvard. Wow. Harvard has a 4.5% admittance rate, but Walmart only accepts 2.6% of their applicants. Hmm. I wonder the source of that study. Like, was that one store, or is that, like, the fran- like the whole company? I will click. The, it oh. was a time.com study. I think that's got to be the whole company, because if you're going to be relating the entire Harvard University, you need to relate the whole entire Walmart. Did you guys know that I was the time person of the year in 2006? <laughs> no. Oh, well, just thought you should know. Yeah, uh, we don't believe that. Look it up. Let's see who it was. Look up time person of the year, 2006. I bet it's me. In 2006 says that I was actually the person of the year. No, I was. Y'all. Austin, so were you. Wow. It actually was me. That's crazy. (laughs) Wow. Everyone of you listening to the podcast, you were Times Person of the Year 2006. Congratulations on your past accomplishments. And he's not making it up either. It actually says you. No, look it up. Look it up. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> that's a very fun fact that's awesome important. That's that wasn't my fun fact well I'm glad it wasn't <laughs> my uh, fun fact is a man in Mississippi was briefly imprisoned for sorcery in 1884 after throwing a curveball at a county fair so what do you think about that Fisher I was just about to say Fisher's great grandparents were getting crazy out there oh no Ugh. yikes 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 all right austin are you still looking over here oh yeah it actually was just one store it was the washington dc store that opened in 2014 i think but you know oh yeah you already did yeah yeah i've got another one though yeah i know usually there's a few that we have yeah, got another. The blob of toothpaste is called a nurdle. A nurdle? Yeah, like the little bit of toothpaste you put in your toothbrush. It's called a nurdle. Oh, a nurdle. I need to go squeeze out some nurdle juice later. <laughs> <laughs> that was sad. <laughs> That's going to give us a one-star review. Yeah, we just got to That's going to lose a brain cell. <laughs> yeah. We're making people lose brain cells right now. Yikes. Any any anything else, Dustin, that you might have for anybody that's out there for all the Hearless Real listeners to listen to? Because I mean we need more five star reviews, so I think you can help out. What what do you mean? You want me to provide you another Fake Is that or it? another fun fact? If you've got one. All right. Oh, drama jewel. After testing positive for cocaine in Italy in 1991 and failing another test during the 1994 World Cup, soccer great Diego Maradona 
decided to work on hiding the evidence. He took a drug test with a fake plastic piece of manhood filled with clean urine to pass his drug test. So props to you, Diego. We all would have done it. It's just like that one athlete that said he was pregnant on his. Let me go get my plastic piece, piece right now. Now it's what? what? I don't understand. I don't. Yeah. I don't. There might be time to go ahead and call it. <laughs> it might be time to go. <laughs> yeah, we're nearing the midnight mark. That usually means that it's probably time to go ahead and end it off. I appreciate Phil Kofer coming on to join with us and talk about his time at Florida State. Also, what he thinks his team is going to go. Hopefully, we'll be able to get him on before March Madness and then preview a few games. Um, but yeah, that will pretty much do it. As always, you can listen to this podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, and also on YouTube. If you're on iTunes, feel free to rate us five stars and leave a review. Might have a chance for us to read one out to you guys live on air. But yeah, y'all have a good rest of y'all's week, and we'll talk to you guys soon. Peace.